time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, February 8th. Dancing to the music there. I like that intro music Paul put together. Paul King, who works with us, and Nikki Whitaker, both of them do a great job getting this podcast all organized. So grateful for both of them for making it happen. So shout out to them at the top of the podcast. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're so grateful to have you here joining us each week live as we do this podcast. I know some of you listen on a downloaded basis. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. We're just grateful to have you. The biggest reward is having you come back each week and then telling others about the podcast. It means a lot to us. And we get so, so much feedback. I was talking to Bobby nicely earlier today of Alcova Mortgage. Great mortgage company. They're kind of like flying under the radar. So I may have popped them up over the radar, but Bobby was saying, hey, I really enjoyed that interview. Did a Barry Habib this last week. We slipped in a quick interview with Barry. Always fun to get Barry on the phone. And uh, so go back and listen to that interview. And we hear from so many of you complimenting us on the guests, the quality quality of the podcast, the quality of the guests, the quality of the information, and we're just thrilled to have the opportunity to get before you. So anyway, in the hot topic today, we have Todd Jordan, Vice President of Strategy, and Justin Bailey, Senior Client Services Manager with Bellamy on the program. We're going to be talking about digital shifts in home buying and the home buying journey and how to position yourself for success. We're going to talk a little bit about how you can get intelligence. So it's really, really good stuff. You'll enjoy this interview. We're excited to have them be a part of the podcast today. Also, we have Industry Syndicate. They do a great job of promoting out a number of great podcasts out on talking about all that's going on. Again, I think we were one of the first podcasts and uh, so many have followed and we're so pleased to help and promote them. Also, special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. We had Michael Friend Tony on January 4th. Go back and listen to that with his economic forecast, the MBAs. While you're there, check out the Mortgage Action Alliance app. Ma, you got to make sure you sign up for that. As well as Finastra, who's a Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution, has the ability to set up a custom decisioning parameters to help streamline approval process while keeping your lending team compliant, as well as Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these two co-ops do a collaborative effort of bringing lenders and vendors together in a smaller, more intimate setting, and they do a great job. And one of the things that I get excited about is hearing about the peer analysis that comes out of that. Each of them have their own peer groups, where they get together. So meaningful. So I want to figure out what the others are doing and how they're doing it. Get a part of both of these co-ops. Really helpful. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, grateful for them as a sponsor, as well as Indicom. It's a technology firm with mortgage expertise and provides automation and outsourcing and compliance solutions to the mortgage industry. They got some great technology. Also, Incelerate, which is a leading cutting-edge technology that helps mortgage lenders connect in a more meaningful way with borrowers. It creates an enhanced borrower engagement. And Josh Friend does a great job on that. Did an interview back on August 17th. Go back and listen to that. Also, the good friend, Knowledge Coop. You got to go and check out Knowledge Coop website. Knowledge Coop, C-O-O-O-P. See what Kim Perry and the team do there. Some of the things that they put together for training, it's edu 
entertainment, educating you and entertaining you. Great stuff. Mobility RE, as well as Modex, they do a great job of helping you recruit, looking at how to identify the top realtors and LOs in your market. Check out both of these. Also, finally, I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Allen, Matt for their contributions to the podcast each and every week. Anyway, we start off with a word from Rob Van Raphorst with the MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, MBA, along with several other trade organizations, submitted a joint letter to the OCC in response to an NPR on the Community Reinvestment Act. The letter commended OCC's efforts to modernize the CRA regulatory framework and strongly urged them to discontinue efforts to establish a valuation framework. It also noted that the NPR's proposed benchmark methodology is fundamentally flawed. Also last week, the House Financial Services Committee held a hearing focused on policy solutions for the next COVID-19 relief legislation. Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters called for an increase in rental assistance, continued enhanced unemployment insurance benefits, and additional stimulus payments payments to individuals and families. Republicans on the panel cautioned against policies unrelated to the pandemic and warned that excessive spending in certain areas could thwart economic recovery. The administration and congressional leaders plan to finalize a relief package by mid-March. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Oh yeah, that relief package. That's going to talk a little bit about the potential impact of that in just a minute, but let's get over to Les Parker with his TM Spotlight segment and a macro view of the markets. Plus, TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Why can't we be bulls? 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 Do not expect the bulls to threaten the bear trend that began in January. Rates are headed up with the U.S. showing an economic revival and vaccination leadership. The economic consensus that 2021 GDP will exceed 5% feeds the optimism in U.S. stocks. Bonds embrace their killjoy image. By the Treasury moving cash from the Fed to commercial banks, it lifts reserves and feeds the leverage craze. The market sees inflation rising. Mortgage bankers can be bullish on housing, but not bonds. Why can't we stay bulls now? These views are my own. Want more? Go to TMSpotlight.com. Well, let's check out Les Parker's newsletter. You can subscribe and you get the paid version for free. Put in the word power. Good to have you with us. By the way, Matt Graham is founder CEO of MBS Live with his market update. Man, always so excited to get in and start talking to you about the markets, looking at your grass, loving your website, mbslive.net. And you get the extra time trying it out if you mention our website, LOL. Anyway, our program. What's going on? I'm really interested in economic data. You, you were talking earlier before we went live about the treasury auctions. I'd like to focus a little bit on the importance of those and what can we learn by the strength or the weakness thereof? Yeah, definitely. Treasury auctions, they're not guaranteed market movers, but they can sort of highlight how traders are feeling about issuance at any given point in time, how they're feeling about trading levels, because we get to see a ratio of the number of dollars bid versus the number of dollars being auctioned. That gives us one way to measure demand. They also arrive at a yield depending on what people bid for the auction. 
So where that yield is in relation to market expectations gives us another input as to how well received the auction was. And we get to see a breakdown between direct and indirect bidders and uh, between dealers and non-dealers. And it just helps traders get a sense of how other traders are approaching the bond market. And in that sense, it can be sort of a pivotal few days where we often see a reversal or an acceleration of any given trend. But Les really nailed it as far as the rising rate environment. And it's really important for mortgage people to understand that this has been the case since August of 2020. And 10-year yields have been in a very linear, very predictable even, in hindsight, of course, uptrend, uh, moving toward higher yields since then. And that uptrend continues to sort of guide the major highs and lows, the bounces. And the mortgage rates just weren't really a part of that for reasons that we've discussed ad nauseum. But in a nutshell, because margins were so wide and had room to tighten, uh, mortgage rates didn't need to rise as quickly as treasuries because they never fell as much in the first place. So that risks a little bit of complacency for your average mortgage person because you might not appreciate just how determined the rising rate trend is as far as treasuries are telling the story. And now we're in a situation where treasuries have moved up and over 1% and they just swooped back down to 1% at the beginning of last week, well, really the middle of the previous week. But then last week was really the confirmation that we were treating 1% as a floor for now. And that's scary. It's a ratcheting step back toward higher rates. And it's something that the mortgage market will increasingly have to pay attention to. Indeed, when we look at a chart of, say, 10-year yields versus mortgage rates, back in 2020, there were so many examples of the things going in opposite directions. But over the past three, four weeks, the movement has been almost perfectly correlated, even though the magnitude of the movement in mortgage rates isn't as extreme as that of treasuries. They're still moving in the same direction. So if 10-year yields continue higher, mortgage rates will likely have to continue to follow, even if it's not at quite the same pace. But higher rates are higher rates, and that's not necessarily great for the average originator, unless you're looking to catch your breath, maybe, then some higher rates could be good in the short term. But what else? Economic data. So last week, we had more data than we're going to have this week, and it could contribute to the weakness a little bit. The reports that came in weaker than expected, still had some silver linings, or I should say some bearish linings for the bond market. For instance, ISM's manufacturing PMI, one of the biggest reports month in, month out, was slightly lower than expected, but over 58. And that's still really decent growth for this company. Other thing is that the prices paid components, a component inside that ISM report was the highest in a long time. I think since 2011, perhaps, but the thing just soared. 82.1 versus 77 forecast and highest in at least a decade, I believe. So that speaks to maybe some underlying inflation pressures mounting at the wholesale level that could eventually trickle down to the consumer level. Not really seeing evidence for that yet, but it's something that could cause some concern. ADP employment, on again, off again, companion, I guess, of non-farm payrolls. ADP tries to predict the ultimate non-farm payrolls number, and it came in much stronger than expected, maybe spooked the bond market a little bit more. The following day, jobless claims missed their forecast, but they still declined. Continued claims still declined, and they beat their forecast. Good news on the labor market front there. Finally, NFP, a super interesting kind of weird one because it came in right in line with the forecast. And the forecast was quite low. It was for 50,000 new jobs created and we created 49,000. Big negative revisions to the previous month. At face value, that's a report that is not good for the economy or that is good for the bond market. And we did get 
a little bit of improvement after that, a couple bouts of it by 10 a.m., but bonds ultimately sold off into the afternoon. The counterpoints inside the NFP data, inside the jobs report, were as follows. First off, unemployment fell sharply from 67 to 6.3%. Now, oftentimes when we see the unemployment rate drop like that, we look at the labor force participation rate right away and can sort of explain it away. Very common analytical go-to there. But the participation rate only declined by 0.1%. So there was an additional 30 basis points of improvement in the unemployment rate that's not accounted for by participation. So economically positive. And why might that be? Well, people are on hold from working because of COVID and they feel good about going back and they feel good about not needing to look for a job right now. And most staggering component was the average work week. Dave, do you have a sense of what the average work week is? And I'll give you a hint. It's definitely not over 40 hours because it counts everybody, even part-time. Right, but, right. Uh, I'm looking at your screen, 35.0. 35 would be a terrible guess any other time but today or last Friday, because that's the highest it's ever been since the Labor Department started recording that. Really? Uh, Yeah, definitely a new record and a big one by more than uh, three-tenths of a point. So that thing historically runs about 34.4 to 34.5 hours. We've occasionally seen it tick up to 34.6, but really those were anomalies. So that's telling us, I think logically what you'd assume is the same amount of workers doing more work, people mm-hmm. working more overtime, more hours. And when that's the case, and when we have whatever payroll count we have, that just means that if people were working a more normal work week, we would actually be creating more jobs than we are creating. So it was a stealth sort of bond bearish message inside the jobs report there, one that probably didn't stand in the way too much of yields rising. Plus, traders were worried about this week's auction cycle and also the technical landscape. We were supposed to continue higher in yields until we hit the top of these railroad tracks that have been guiding highs and lows in bond yields for the past seven months or so. And we might be sort of bouncing at the top of that trend here either today, tomorrow, or ideally a big bounce on Wednesday coinciding with a 10-year auction would really be great because it would send a strong message about solidifying that ceiling and moving back toward the lower end of that trend channel. But keep in mind, it is a rising rate environment. That's what you want to plan on. You want to be more defensive than normal until and unless the market gives you a reason to be otherwise with a nice big break back below 1% in 10-year yields. And honestly, if that happens, it probably wouldn't be for reasons that the society would really love. So can't go wrong hoping for either outcome here, in my opinion. Matt Graham, founder and CEO of MBS Live. Appreciate you being here with the market update. We could talk on and on, but we've got a podcast we got to do, bud. Good to have you here. Let's get over to Alice Alvey. She is CAB Vice President of Education Training at the amazing organization, Union Home Mortgage. Had Bill Cosgrove agreed to come on in March as a guest, Alice. I'm so excited to have your boss come on. And we're going to be talking about some exciting things, things you guys are doing really, really well. And he's going to come on and share a little bit of the, the amazing Union Home story. So I'm looking forward to that interview. It's good to have you with us each and every week. How are you doing, Alice? I'm great. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing all of that Union Home has done with our audience so that the more people we can help get into the mortgage industry, the better off we all are. There's some great young talent out there. We need to get that talent. Badly need to get that talent. That's what we're going to be dedicated in the month of March to. So how do we get that talent in here? How do we build strong companies and strong teams? It's all about recruiting. What are the tools we could use? But you have today, we're talking about the legislative update. What you got for us? Yeah, so I just wanted to give everyone a little bit of background on the consumer access to 
financial record that was an advance notice of proposed rulemaking. The CFPB has been talking about this. Believe it or not, this is still a piece left over from Dodd-Frank. Remember that original Mm -hmm. 1,800 pages that we all had to digest and then there became 10,000 pages after that? Yeah, there's still Section 1033 of DFA that is related to really getting to the bottom of how much access we should be giving consumers, meaning we really should be making sure that they have full access to all of their data. And if you think about all the data that is exchanged through scraping and APIs, we have consumers, whenever they go on any type of a website, there's this idea, you have times where the system is going in and pulling data because the customer has gone in, entered their password, and the system's able to scrape that data and then be able to use it in another application. So a lot of this goes on in all of our automated verification processes that we have today. And so the CFPB really wants this notice of proposal. It's closed now. What I've been doing is going back for everybody here to say, all right, who likes this? Who doesn't? What's on the table? I'm sure Alan in the future can talk a lot about this as we uh, get closer to what might be implemented. But there's a lot of slight differences of opinion going on, especially when you think of credit unions, for example, right? Any infrastructure that might be put in place or rules around this could really alter the competitive landscape for smaller entities. So MBA and their comments stress, we have to address that. We have to make sure it's consistent. But really, how does giving all consumers, trying to create a level playing field where a consumer has more control over all of their data that's being taken from them and used elsewhere when you have a lot of entities, small community banks and credit unions that rely on that face-to-face? And so who owns the data at that point, right? If it's all going into a pool um, industry, we're all sharing, right? If entity A is a big contributor of the data, do they get a better share? So there's talk of if they're paying a toll to get into the database, depending on how much you contribute, what kind of security has to be placed around this. This is a very, very significant issue that we're going to be watching closely. It's a mix of tech and just how we feel uh, we want this to impact the industry as a whole. So it was interesting to hear Experian chime in. Certainly, they are a big tech company that's already very involved in this technology. So they believe the security is already there and in place, whereas there's other entities commenting going, oh, no, we don't have anywhere near enough in writing for security. We need to get a lot more put in writing so consumers really understand what's at risk here. And then that is a comment that's coming from a lot of other entities. Mm. How many of people actually read the I agree box when you open <laughs> a website? <laughs> Who reads that, right? Oh, no. You just go, no. I agree because... Because I want to go buy that thing, right? So how do we make it clear to consumers that they understand this and that they're aware of how this will work as it moves forward? So we'd love to maybe get Alan on a future show and we can talk more about do consumers really understand the data that's being taken from them every time they get involved uh, on the internet, period, uh, let alone with their financial institutions. Yeah, I think the brand of Form Free talking about how they have that passport thing where the consumer is constantly in control of the data and they turn it on, but it does get shared at some point. That's a really interesting topic. It has lots of tentacles that can go different places, and especially with this administration, which is probably going to be a little bit more aggressive on the compliance side. It's, it's something we need to be paying attention. So yeah, let's get Alan and 
But we'll have one of those round table podcasts we do. That, that's a good one to center up around down the road. Yeah, it is. And I think it affects all originators going, well, is it get me more business or not? Well, we love the technology, but we really do need to make sure as companies were set up to make sure we manage it correctly. So that's my report for today. Thank you very much for your segment this week. We appreciate you as always. And I will kick off into the technology segment. Thanks everyone for joining us today. A couple of great things going on this week. One is we all saw the Super Bowl and all the hype around the commercials. Uh, I'll get into some really, really funny ones. First, there were cardboard cutouts that were sold. 30,000 of them were sold for a cool $3 million. They were spread out to help people feel socially distanced, and people even bought them and put their pets on them. And if you look at some of the TV video, you can actually see different people reporting, and you can see a real person sitting next to two dogs and a cat. Really kind of funny. But anyways, they use them to help socially distance people, and it worked out well. I didn't see any amazing commercials. Of course, we had the State Forum guy singing with Drake, which I thought was pretty funny. State Forum always has good commercials. Tony Romo and Skechers, I thought that commercial was a little weird. Tracy Morgan, who definitely one of my favorites. I think he's just always funny. This was the Rocket Mortgage commercial, one of them. He was pretty sure with all different kinds of things that you could be pretty sure about. But then he said, pretty sure is not enough, and you need to be certain in Rocket technology can be certain and let's be certain. Uh, a couple other funny commercials there, of course, was the mortgage broker uh, that we talked about, uh, the mortgage broker platform that they now have with Rocket Technologies. Edward Scissors Hands was driving an autonomous Cadillac. And then another mortgage commercial, Guaranteed Rate. Great commercial. It talked a lot about people that believe in a dream and they work hard and conquer that dream. You can make it happen. At the end, they said, um, you can conquer, and if you believe, you will. Great commercial. It was all around the theme of homeownership and guaranteed rate. And now on to mortgage-specific news. So a couple things going on. David and I have talked quite a bit about different companies or VC or equity capital that is making their, its way into our industry. And that's what I have in some of today's update. One is there's a Series C, $88 million by Built Technologies. They're looking to expand their suite of products. For those of you that don't know Built, they're constructing finance, software, and payment technology. And they're looking to continue to expand as well to more bank and non-bank lenders. By the way, that was an 88 million Series C. They had a Series B for 31 million for 137 million total. So very good to, uh, to the guys and the folks and the ladies over at Built Technologies. Another one that I thought was kind of interesting is on servicing. This is a company called Volant. They say that they're the smartest mortgage on your block and they're the most human servicing experience. They just raised $50 million in a Series A and they're targeting the monopolies out there that are in servicing and they control over 50% of the servicing market. And Volant also just got approved by Fannie as a servicer. So if you don't know Volant, you want to check them out, go for it. Roostify also... Series C, they just raised $32 million, $65 million total. And this round of capital is going to leverage innovation AI and simplify their entire home buying process. They also are going to be expanding their staff. They state in the press release by over 50%. So Alice, you mentioned a moment ago, data, 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 right? In the data we use online, I thought I'd mention when you said that about two years ago, I was working on a project and that project was working with a company. When you shop at Walgreens, Home Depot, Lowe's, supermarket, they collect a whole bunch of data. And this company offers the data mining of that data. Now, nothing is identifiable, but I could go and say, I'm looking for somebody who works in the financial industry that drives an SUV, that owns a home, and that went to college in the Southeast. And it will literally say, okay, and then in a specific zip code, here's 9,000 people that fit that profile. And you can continue to dive in deeper to those individual profiles and those different people. Everything we do is now collected and tracked and used everywhere. For any 
anyone that's on Facebook, you will have recently seen a post going that you can go into Facebook and turn off the ability for Facebook to get information about what you search on the internet and use that to drive Facebook ads. So it would be a great conversation if we did a roundtable on that, David and Alice. But data is used in everything. It's data mined and it continues to empower, drive, change, provide highlights, augmented experiences, everything you can imagine as we continue down the road here. And it's getting big in financial law services overall in general. So next week, we'll talk about some great stuff. We're going to talk about technical documentation, <laughs> the curation of knowledge bases, and making sure that your staff, the users of your technology or vendor's technology, has what they need to perform their job every day. That's super important. And then last, just to end on this, we are building a tech community for the technology segment yeah. I've heard us say many times, Tech Stack Radio. What we'd like to do is if you have something you want to share on our technology segment, you can reach out to me. It's Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at TMS-advisors.com. And we also are looking to build comments and feedback within your technology groups, meaning that your developers, the folks that never sometimes see the light of day. So again, you can reach out to myself or David. You have our information. Thanks for listening and looking forward to the hot yeah. topic segment, David. Take it away. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Thanks so much. Good job on that. I appreciate it very much. Next week, we've got Lodestar Software Solutions, the CEO, Jim Paulino, coming in to be with us and talking about what Lodestar is doing. He's also going to be talking about some market trends. So I also want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Indicom, Accelerate, Mobility, RE, Modex. And you can check out all of our sponsors on our website, lickinonlending.com. Thank you, listeners, for being a part of this podcast. We're grateful to have you as our listeners. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.